Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Peddling Fiction Podcast on a very frustrating Tuesday afternoon. Definitely for me, your host, the one and only voice and soul of so-called fiction. And it sounds like Justin has had his share of uh, problems as well. We're, we're a little late getting this one out today. But joining me through all of the frustrations is Justin Hillbilly Boy Campbell. What's going on? Yeah, it sounds like we're running into it on both ends today. I've had issues with my computer and everything else, and now you're having issues with your internet. Uh, normally, it's me having issues with the internet, but they seem to have actually fixed that. It only took me bitching about it for two straight weeks every single day and on Twitter until they uh, did what they needed to do and got the shit working right. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, I've reverted back to Mexico internet speed. So we'll see how this goes. Maybe we can get through this. I'm not. We're we're not doing any video today, so it'll just be our sexy voices you get to listen to. Uh, yeah, I, I just got to say, uh, with everything that's going on, not surprised that the uh, the markets are tanking about uh, a week before I put my place on the market. Assuming I can get everything fucking together, um, it's just one fucking thing after another. One little thing after another. Problems here, problems there. It's 99 degrees according to this thing I got up on my computer here. And I'm realizing that I don't have functioning AC. Pretty sure I have functioning AC. It's just somebody did not follow fucking instructions. Very simple instructions not turning on the furnace over the winter. I had some workarounds for that, but that blows out a transformer, which cuts out my AC now. So at least that's best case scenario is I just need to replace that and get the furnace working and I'll have AC as well. Worst case scenario is my AC crapped out sometime over the last uh, year or so. Don't know. Won't know until you get somebody out here, which is always fun finding a, a guy that will actually do the work you know, they want like 500 bucks just to come look at your fucking furnace. It's insane. And the, and you know, I'm talking 2018 prices. I have no idea with what's been going on with this inflation, where they're at now. I, I shudder to think of what that's going to fucking be like. And in addition to that, um, sanding and painting and spackling and staining. And uh, I'm ready to just fucking jump off the balcony. Other than that, everything's going well. I guess I'm pretty lucky then. It's only 97 here today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Chicago weather is like yesterday. There was a fucking tornado warning. <laughs> there was sirens going off. It was, you know, like 60 degrees and raining. And now it's 100 degrees and sunny. 
and of course, like right when I'm, I'm getting ready to uh, paint this windowsill. So I've taken down the fucking curtains and everything like that. Uh, there's hundred degrees sun blasting through the window on me with no AC. So that's fun. That's fun. Um, but enough about me. <laughs> we'll save the rest of that for my weekly rant. What's, uh, what's going on in the news today? We got some January 6th follow-up stuff we got to do, and then we'll try to tackle this, this uh, market turmoil. Yeah, so the January 6th stuff has been fun. Have you been paying very much attention to that? Uh, you know, not not too much. I've been, uh, yeah, I pick things up here and there. I see an article here about uh, they revealed that Trump bilked $250 million out of uh, his supporters for an election defense fund that didn't exist, according to the January 6th committee. I mean, does that have anything to do with the uh, an actual coup, though? Like, it's I think nope. it's really funny that most of what they're bringing up in this hearing, none of it is traitorous, none of it's treasonous, none of it's seditious. None of it really has a whole lot to do with a coup or indicates that there was in any way a an attempted insurrection. Um, it's now this also the whole hearing being public. It has not garnered nearly the attention that they had hoped it would. It's gone largely ignored by everyone except for the people who are still clinging to Trump is literally Hitler, which is pretty funny, honestly. Yeah, well, of course, because January 6th was such a blip on the radar. Nobody cares. They're trying to make it out to be the worst thing that ever happened. And even to the people that were like the supposed victims of January 6th, they had to exaggerate how bad it was. AOC had to pretend like she was fucking traumatized, even though she wasn't even there, wasn't even in the fucking building. You know, like it reminds me of that uh, that scene from A Few Good Men, where the the guy's going over like uh, his day or whatever, and like how he got back to the barracks in order to hear the order, and like their their car broke down, so that you know him and that guy pickup had to jog it jog it back or something, and so they weren't even there to hear the code red order. It's like, yeah, you weren't there. You weren't even in the fucking building for it. And you're trying to make this out to be the, you know, this horrific event that everybody else has got over pretty quickly because there was really no there there. And unless you suffer from Trump derangement syndrome, you you forgot about this after even despite the corporate press's, you know, best efforts to keep this on the fucking front page headlines for as long as possible. It's been a year and a half. We've got much bigger fish to fry as we're going to get into with the economy later. So, yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares about your stupid bullshit hearing. They're such fucking narcissists that they, they think people care about this. And then you look at the ratings and it's like, oh, yeah, no, they're, they're worried about uh, getting food on the table. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about baby formula. They're worried about paying for all this shit. So I saw a thing. Somebody said that that the January 6th insurrectionists were literally trying to kill Congress people and overturn the U.S. government. I was like, hang on. So what you're telling me is that you unironically believe that a bunch of completely unarmed cosplayers 
who were walking around the Capitol guided by security were going to overthrow the government? How do you think they were going to go about doing that exactly? Because when they were asked to leave, they assembled peacefully in the lobby and walked out through the velvet ropes with security. Yeah, somebody took a podium and they sat at some desks and rifled around some papers and did some dumb shit. But like, did they really like these were the people who were going to overthrow the U.S. government was a handful of unarmed morons. Yeah. Well, okay. hey, somebody had zip ties. At least one guy had some zip ties. Oh, uh, so Tucker Carlson got fact checked by I can't remember who the publication was now, uh, but they fact checked him saying that nobody there was was armed. And they said, as a matter of fact, three people in the crowd were arrested for having a firearm and several people had baseball bats. Wow. That, I mean, that is the militia that's going to overthrow the U S government. Three people who had a a pistol and a handful of people with baseball bats. This was seriously like the worst thing that possibly could have happened. I can't believe that the U S Capitol was not overtaken and currently being run by Buffalo guy. Right. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, I wonder if those three people that were carrying uh, pistols, well, I guess I have two questions. One, were they federal agents? And two, did they just have a concealed carry permit and they were just carrying like they normally do? Or were they actually running around like with a, a firearm drawn, ready to do something? Uh, See, I suspect it was one of the two. It was probably either either they were feds or they just had concealed carry permits and didn't think about it because I think DC is one of those places that there is no reciprocity. Like you just straight up cannot carry in DC, which is also a reason why none of the protesters had weapons because they were actually law abiding citizens who didn't bring weapons because they knew they weren't allowed to have them there. And that's, that's your, that's your, uh, your mob that's laying siege to the Capitol is a bunch of law abiding citizens who didn't bring guns because they knew they weren't allowed to have them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to overthrow the government, but we're not going to bring any of our firearms, even though there are a bunch of gun toting Republican Trump supporters. I, I don't know how you sort of square that circle, but yeah, it's it, it's not really in their nature to worry about such you know inconsistencies there. <laughs> really it's just fun. right. When you see like historically and over across the planet, when you see actual coups take place, when you see actual insurrections where they overthrow a government, they come heavily armed, they come well-prepared, and they do it in one fell swoop. Like, it is violent, lots of people die, lots of shit gets burned to the ground. You, it's, not a, it's not a walkthrough with security guiding you. It's not people who show up completely unarmed and, and just, like, dick around for a, a few hours. So there's it's just insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because the mostly peaceful headlines, you know, that they were using for all of the, the riots over the summer of 2020 would much would be much more appropriate for the January 6th insurrection as mostly peaceful <laughs> than, than what they actually used it for. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know what's uh, did. Is anything going to come of these hearings? Because I've never seen a committee or a super committee or a, an investigation into anything bearing any fruit. 
See, this is gonna be this is gonna be like the whole Russiagate thing. This is gonna be like all of the Trump impeachments. This is gonna be like Trump was gonna go to jail for his tax returns or some shit. They have to keep they have to keep pushing the Trump narrative forever because if they don't have Trump as this like existential threat, then they have nothing to draw your attention away from other than oh shit. Biden really fucking sucks. And this economy is really in the shitter. And oh God, don't look at the markets right now. And definitely don't look at the price of gas or food or you know any of the uh, dozens of food processing facilities that have been burnt down or the fact that BlackRock is buying up property left and right. Or like they if they don't have Trump as the boogeyman, they have nothing to distract you with except for their own shortcomings. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. They, they, uh, if there's one thing the government is good at, it's pointing the finger away from themselves and finding some scapegoat. And yeah, they will. It does seem like it's just going to be like, Oh yeah, we have the evidence. You know, I saw, what was that one guy's fucking name from the, uh, the Russia gate thing. Is it Schiff? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff, who was like, all throughout the Russia thing, like, oh, we have the evidence. We you know, he sounded like Alex Jones, like I have the documents and he never had shit. And he's like, oh, yeah, we got this evidence. We're going to come out with this and it's going to prove this and it's going to prove that. And he had nothing the whole fucking time. And I have seen him come out in, in over the last couple of days saying that he has all this evidence of this coup attempt and Donald Trump leading and, and he's got nothing. He's got nothing. If he had it, you'd seen it. You would have seen it already. Like these people are so fucking full of shit. It's all just a dog and pony show. Just like <laughs> if we want to bring it to the economy, the uh, like the Federal Reserve talking about how they're going to be fighting inflation. If they could actually fight this inflation without pushing us into, uh, I mean, we're already going to be in a in a recession. I think we already are in a recession. I think the the uh, the numbers are going to bear that out pretty soon. Uh, the question is whether or not we go into a depression. And if they could have fought this inflation problem, they would have done it. They would have done it over the last couple of years. They wouldn't have been trying to show you or tell you, convince you that this was transitory, that it's nothing to worry about, that, you know, it's we're going for a symmetrical, you know, we were so far below 2% for a long time. It's okay to be above 2%. And now inflation is a good thing. And now we're going to get serious about fighting it. No, no, no. They would have gotten serious about it beforehand instead of letting it wreak all of this havoc on the markets, on the Biden presidency. If they could have done it, they would have done it by now. If they had evidence that Donald Trump was masterminding this fucking coup attempt to overthrow the U.S. government, you would have seen it by now. It's it's been my same kind of my same. complain or hold up or whatever with all of the the q stuff over the years it's like oh we're gonna there's gonna be this big dump and they're gonna release all of this information about this that and the other it's like okay like if they had it why are they sitting on it why, why don't you just put it out there like why are you waiting to do this big dump it's the same thing with the russia stuff with the, with anything that's been connected to trump especially with this january 6th stuff it's like if you actually have the information you've had a year and five months to have gotten all of that out, to have plastered it everywhere, and to have legitimately painted Trump as the evil character that you claim that he is. 
So why didn't you do that at any point? It's because you don't have a fucking thing. Like you're not, you're not going to find new evidence now that you didn't have a year ago. Like that's, it's not, and unless you're manufacturing it out of thin air, in which case it's going to look exactly like what all of these, uh, you know, mass shootings have looked like over the last several months that have been kind of haphazardly thrown together. Like if anybody with half a fucking brain is going to be able to look at it and be like, yeah, that's fucking bullshit. And, and then dismiss it as exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately there's a large segment of the U S population that what, for one thing, they're not going to look into any of the, the evidence or the data that is presented. So even if they massage the data, they massage the numbers to sort of back their narrative. They're not going to look into it. And they're depending on these people to just hear the headline, see the headline over and over and over again. Trump, Russia collusion. Trump is a Russian agent. Uh, attempted coup, insurrection, insurrection. That's why they you know, batter us constantly with all this propaganda, because people just pick that up and then they hear it, you know, like that old uh, that old uh Nazi propaganda is lying like the, you know, you tell the lie over and over enough, people believe it. Even with no evidence, it just seems like it, it's already been proven because you've heard so many people say it. And that's that's kind of what they're going for here. I think it's, uh, you know, attempted coup, attempted coup, attempted coup, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. And we don't need to present any evidence after that. We just say it over and over again and it will be fact. No, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. That's that, that's that's all they've got. That's all they've got is just to keep hammering it in until either you believe it or you just don't give a shit. And fortunately, I guess most people just don't give a shit. Yeah. Well, I wonder what's uh, what's going to come of this two hundred and fifty million dollar thing here. I haven't uh, really had time to look into this, but <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me at all that uh, Trump was able to bilk supporters out of uh, $250 million, setting up an election defense fund that <laughs> didn't exist. I don't necessarily know that there's any, like, it's it's shady, but I don't know that there's necessarily anything deliberately illegal about it. Um, I yeah, mean, you, as long as he, you know, if, as long as it went through the proper funding channels or whatever, then whether it went towards his... Uh, election defense fund or whatever it was yeah at the, the end of the day the, people voluntarily gave money they didn't you know they weren't getting uh yeah and it's another it's another another lesson there to not trust these fucking politicians uh i don't know why anybody gives them money um like small donors give them money i i understand why lobbyists give them money and these big corporations give them money because they get that money returned to them tenfold in terms of political favors and clout. But why just a random everyday person would give money to, to support one of these politicians is just, whew, it's beyond me. It's absolutely beyond me. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. with the way that camp, like campaign financing rules and shit work, like all that shit's so fucking complicated. It wouldn't surprise me if there's some sort of loophole that you can, say it's going toward this and actually just goes into some general fund kind of like they do with social security or something like that. Right. I mean, that's, you know, with with campaign contributions and stuff like that, like depending on how the fund was set up that that the money was coming into it, he might have been saying that it was for a particular thing. And so they were giving money to this particular fund, but depending on how the fund was registered, 
it might not have ever been deemed as for that. It was just he was saying that while he was campaigning. And yeah, I mean, you or while he was, you know, making his rounds following the election or whatever. And yeah, you can say that he was dishonest, but if there was no uh if there's no paper trail to to say that actually this was filed as this thing, like I just I haven't looked enough into it, but from what little I have seen of it, I, I don't think I don't think they have anything that they can hold on him with it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll uh, we'll see what shakes out. Did, now, what's going on with the um, the gun control legislation? Uh, supposedly, there is a bipartisan bill that will raise the age of, to purchase firearms to twenty one. Um, it is it is catching some resistance, and they're having to make some modifications to it and stuff. It's expected to come. Uh, they're not a hundred percent positive if they will be able to get it to uh, to Congress before the January fourth or not January the July fourth recess. But they're hopeful. Uh, so right now it's it's making the rounds. Hopefully, hopefully the Democrats will push for enough woke progressive insanity that the bipartisan support will uh either wane or be destroyed entirely because that's i mean that's what these democrats do every time they they get the they get the republicans to to agree to some bipartisan bill and then they say that well it's not going far enough on this and this and this so we just want to tweak these things and then by the end of it it never actually makes it to the floor because all of their bipartisan uh, cooperation has been completely turned against them because they won't just leave well enough alone, which I hope that's what they do. Uh, leave well enough alone. And this case would be bad enough as it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I saw that there was some red flag incentive, red flag laws incentives buried in there. So, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll it's not, it. it's not good. If it, if it does make it through both house and Senate, it's not good. It's it's definitely a step in the wrong direction as far as um, defending the Second Amendment goes. And hopefully, hopefully it doesn't make it to that point. Right. Yeah. And, you know, in all honesty, I don't even know if the, the Democrats really want to get something like that through, which is probably why they do that backhanded shit where they, they you know, they do the sort, sort of bait and switch thing They're like here, here's some like common sense legislation. And then they throw in a bunch of fucking deal breakers into there. And then the Republicans, you know, rightfully are just like, no, this is not what we agreed to. We're not doing this. And then it's, Oh, these damn Republicans, they look at, they hate children. They don't want to save. They don't want to protect our children anymore. And look how evil they are. They'd much rather have that talking point than actual legislation that I, I think most sane people know isn't going to do anything. They, they just want to dangle this in front of their voters for campaign contributions and talking points and all that sort of shit. That's this is the game that they play here. Nope. None of these people actually want to solve anything. If they did, um, that would just mean that, you know, we don't really need them for a lot of things. If, if these problems actually get solved. And the, the more problems they can point to and blame on the other side, the, uh, the more support they get from their constituents. So, see, yeah. I think you hit it squarely on the head with that. Like the reason that they, 
the the Democrats don't have a real high incentive to to push this stuff either, especially uh, especially like the Joe Mansions and some of the Democrats that are in more purplish areas or even like in the more uh, like a more moderate or traditional like Democratic voting part of the country. Uh, those are a lot of gun-toting Democrats who are not liberal, who are not progressive, who do not want this stuff. And if they do go, you know, wholesale in on this, then their constituency will turn on them. So, so there are a lot of Democrats who will support this in in, in uh, like in what they say on the floor and, and out loud. But then at the end of the day, they really don't want it to go through because there is a, a there is a negative incentive for them. If it does, like it, it will hurt them, not not benefit them. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. All right. So these markets not looking not looking good. I don't know if um, for all of you out there with investments or a 401k or God forbid, maybe you've been holding some crypto, been taking kind of a beating uh, since, well, really since uh, last uh, what, Friday or so. Uh, crypto's really got battered over the weekend. Let me pull up this chart of, of Bitcoin. I, you know, I, we're not doing video, so I can't really share my screen or anything like that. But if you remember, we've run through the, the daily chart of Bitcoin a few times uh, on this show. And maybe you recall me talking about this massive head and shoulders pattern that was forming. This is back in probably er, yeah, right around late December January, it sort of completed the, the second shoulder of that, the right shoulder. I talked about it possibly completing, which is, you know, the shoulders are right at about 46,000 or so. And the, the head is almost at 70,000. And basically for this pattern to complete, you would have to get a drop basically equal from the neckline to the top of the head, but downward. And we've completed that now. We have completed that with this latest fucking drop. Um, we were bouncing around that 30,000 level, trying to hold on to that. That was a major support level uh, structurally that Bitcoin was hanging on to. And it broke below that, let's see, a couple of days ago. Yeah, on the 12th, it really broke and closed below that. And it just, it just completely, the bottom fell out of that. And there's nothing like we, we've talked about structurally, there's nothing but air until about 20,000. So it's sort of, there's a little bit of structure here, right where we're at right now. It's sort of this 21, 22,000 range. The chart looks horrific. All the other cryptos have been following suit. Actually, most of the other cryptos did even worse. And we're starting to see, you know, when you get a lot of a lot of air coming out of these these types of bubbles, you start to see, you know, it's like the uh, when the tide washes out, you start to see who has a swimming suit on. And there's been a couple of these companies that were doing some some pretty shady shit to attract customers over the years. You know, like paying um, paying interest on your deposits. 18% interest saying you weren't taking on any risk and things like that. Um, they've had some runs on their, um, basically a run on their bank for a lack of a better term. They've had to like shut down their exchanges so people can't withdraw their, uh, their cryptocurrencies. It's, it's kind of a bloodbath out there. I don't, I don't know. Have you been, you've been following this at all? No, not really. I'm, 
I have a couple buddies who do quite a bit with crypto. One of them said he had already cashed everything out before, right before it really plunged. So he managed to duck it. I guess he kind of saw the writing on the wall. And then the others that I know are kind of taking that, uh, they're just going to ride it out approach. So yeah, the hodlers. That, I mean, uh, you know, good luck to you. I hope it pays off in the end, but man, that's a, that's a hard, that's a hard ride. It's yeah. It's particularly, you know, they talk about it being a store of value and I just, you know, I'll give you an example of the store of value because I'm getting ready to do this again. We talked about the uh, doing the super spreader again this year. It will be happening in December. The There were a number of people that wanted to pay me in crypto for that. Probably a lot more than I had initially anticipated. I thought, you know, there'd be a couple of people. I think something like almost half of the people wanted to pay me in cryptocurrency. Now they didn't want to use Bitcoin because the the fees were too high. A lot of them used uh, Bitcoin Cash, and some of them used Litecoin. And I set up a, you know, I set up a thing just to take their their payments, basically. And you know, it wasn't wasn't a ton of money, but you know, it was a few thousand dollars worth of of ticket sales there. At the time, it was um, th- those have been more than cut in half. I left them in the currency. So let, let's say somebody bought a, a VIP ticket for I think it was like three hundred bucks, right? Something like that. Uh, I, I've now that that ticket to me, I got paid a hundred dollars for that. <laughs> something something along those lines. That's the the store of value that we're we're looking at here. So uh, I, I took it on the chin in terms of those payments. Yeah, that. That's interesting. My dad, my dad asked me over the weekend if I did much with uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And it's like somebody I do have somebody that pays me in Bitcoin from time to time for some of the work that I do. I was like, I, I don't look at the account because I don't use it for anything. I was like, it's just there. The money sits there. However much it's worth is what it's worth. And so he's like, well, what's it worth now? It's like, well, let's see. And uh, last time I had checked the balance on it, I was around 50 bucks and now I'm around 20 bucks. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it'll go back. Maybe we'll get a nice uh, rally. Maybe there'll be a lot of people buying this dip. I I don't think a lot of these, I don't think there's a lot of people with dry powder to buy this dip anymore. I think they've been buying the dip of crypto for so long that uh, this, this one's going to wipe out a lot of people. And a lot of people have been leveraging themselves. They've been borrowing money to buy Bitcoin. Uh, the, the one site, the site that I actually set up, the exchange that I used, they, they let you buy it with a credit card. You can just load up a bunch of fucking crypto on your credit card and hope for the best. Now, like <laughs> as a joke, I did that with Dogecoin when it was like under a penny or something like that. Uh, I was smart enough to take my initial investment out of that as soon as I had like tripled my money. So there, there are ways you can sort of uh, smartly a- approach this type of thing, but I, I you know, the the greed that uh, people experience and the fear of missing out, the FOMO, really does uh, take root in people. And so that exchange, by the way, there, there's a whole other host of problems that, as uh, as far as I'm concerned, are, are going to plague the crypto industry. I got an email from that very exchange uh, last week. And uh, Scotty boy has been trying to help me through this, but they, they wanted to verify my identity or they were going to freeze the account. Now verify the identity is like 
They want uh, a picture uh, of my fucking, you know, driver's license or my passport. And then they use like the facial recognition shit. You have to take a picture of your face and give them all that shit. Yeah. So the, all, all of these, uh, these companies are starting to do this, know your customer, this KYC horseshit that the big banks were doing, but they want to verify your identity. So you got to give them facial recognition shit. You got to give them uh, you know, tax ID number, their, your social security number, because they're going to tax you on this. They're going to report this shit to the government unless you, you know, you take it off these exchanges and you have your, just your wallet, like on your computer. That's the only way to get around that now. Okay. So where do you go from, like, how do you use these cryptocurrencies to do anything other than just sort of barter with other people? Like you, you know, you, I could exchange, I could pay you and you could just put it right onto your desktop and you could do something for me, but I can't go to like target and buy something. I can't go to Amazon and buy something with it because that's going to trigger some government agency to look into it. The, the more regulation that, that comes into this area and they are, they are looking to regulate it. The, the less I think crypto is going to be successful and it's in the things that I like it for, you know, I, I, I am all for decentralized, some sort of decentralized current. Like I don't like, you know, I want to end the fed. I want to get the government away from our money. I, I just don't see, I don't see the path there as, uh, as smooth as these people have been trying to sell it to you. And that's, a lot of been, that's always been kind of the fear that I've had with, with Bitcoin and, and different cryptocurrencies is like at the end of the day, they talk about how it has all this utility or whatever. But if I can't take it to Walmart and buy something with it, then it, it really doesn't like it. Like if you pay me to do a video in Bitcoin, but I can't take that Bitcoin and just go to Walmart and buy groceries for my family, then it really has no utility. Like I, I, right. I know there are, they've always talked about the value and it's a, you know, the store of value and all of this stuff. Like, like at the end of the day, if it does not have practical use, then it is effectively useless. And I, I love the idea of it, but this is what we're starting to see come to fruition now is the thing that I've always been concerned about. And the main reason that I never really got invested in it. Cause I mean, if I'm a, Bitcoin millionaire, but I can't actually spend that million, then what good does it do me? Yeah. At some point you have to exchange it back to dollars. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you, if, if that's what you're going to do, uh, okay, then you don't really care about where the price is because as soon as you get paid in it, as soon as I would have taken payment for the, the Sayulita super spreader, I would have cashed that out. And then I'd have the dollars. If it's not going to hold its value, like if we're going to have a fucking 60% drop, we're going to lose 20% over the fucking weekend. Uh, uh, that's you can't call. I'm sorry. You just can't call that a store of value. Uh, so you can't hold it. So then you're forced to just exchange it back into something else that might hold its value or is going to lose its value at a slightly slower pace, which is basically what we're looking at here. I mean, everything is down across the board. Even precious metals are down. I, and I, I think that has more to do with just investors not really understanding the, the situation, the severity of the situation we're in, which we'll get into in a second. But 
uh, yeah, I, I don't understand the the point of using it if you're just going to have to exchange it back into something in order to spend it. Um, maybe you can, you know, if you're just going uh, desktop to desktop and, you know, like sort of on these little uh, like black market exchanges or something like that. Uh, okay. Yeah. You can keep the government away from that to an extent, but I, I just, man, it's, this is a pretty bleak picture. And I think a lot of people are sort of waking up to the fact that, I don't know, just trying to get a lot of the interest in these cryptocurrencies were, were not from libertarians, were not from anarcho-capitalists that want to end the Fed. They were seeing people getting filthy fucking rich off of the off of doing nothing. You just buy Bitcoin and then you wait a, a couple of months and you you make a, a bajillion dollars. Um, that that's right, I was going to say we are we're we're going to get yelled at by the people who are actually like the true believers in Bitcoin and stuff. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like there has to be a utility to it. And if your utility is that it's a store of value, that's being disproven pretty wholeheartedly very quickly here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know we're going to I'm going to piss off a lot of people. But, yeah, I always say I do. In theory, I like this idea. I just don't, I don't know how it, I, I don't see it playing out the way that people are envisioning it. Now, you know, maybe Bitcoin went down to 3000 and then it went back up to 70,000. So who's to say that that can't happen again? Um, but looking at this weekly chart, if you pull back to a weekly chart of Bitcoin, there is nothing but air until about 12,000. So look out below. Uh, this thing could this thing could drop another ten thousand dollars per Bitcoin before you find some support structurally, and you know a couple of weeks before that you were up at thirty thousand. I don't understand how that can be used to to do anything. You can't have that much volatility. And if you go back twelve years ago, they were just like, oh well, it's a new thing, and wait till there's more. Uh, involvement and a track record, and the you know the price action will sort of smooth out over time. That does not seem to be the case. There are still violent moves up and down. And how are you gonna you know like how would you structure an insurance contract? How would your life insurance contract pay out in Bitcoin? You, you know what I mean? Like you don't get to convert it to dollars. It's Bitcoin. Your life insurance is ten Bitcoin. All right. So, you know, like a couple of years ago, 10 Bitcoin at, at $70,000 a, a coin, that was a nice little payout. But if this chart keeps playing out and we drop down to 12,000, well, your life insurance policy just got fucking chopped by what? 80%? <laughs> like, Jesus. Like, who's going to structure long term contracts like that? Who's going to structure short term, like, a, you know, just borrowing? Uh, borrowing money and short-term thing, like there's way too much volatility for me. Um, even just taking something I did last December, it's only been six months and I've lost more than half of that value. I, I, I don't know, man. It, it, it scares the, if I had a, a large interest in this, I would be fucking horrified. Oh yeah. Yeah. You would, you would have been wise to have gotten out several weeks ago. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, and I probably would have if I didn't, you know, when I looked at, when I sort of assessed the situation, I was like, all right, well, I don't have a big position in crypto anyway. Maybe this will just be my position and we'll see how this goes. 
And for the most part, I would just sort of do a lot of short-term trading with it, with this sort of thing, just based literally based on what I saw on the chart, like pattern trading and things like that. I, I would trade it in, in short it, it. Like, I don't like this buy and hold thing. These, these huge moves, I, I don't, I've never liked just buy and hold. They, they say that too, with, with like your 401k, Oh, just buy the index and, and sit there and hope that by the time you retire, you, you don't get caught in one of these you know huge troughs that we're fucking sitting through right now. I, I don't like to uh, you know amass something and then just watch sixty percent of it get fucking you know pulled out from under me. But that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm with you on that. I'm I'm a little more. Uh, I would prefer to have something a little more stable and and predictable. Because I mean, like with the with what stocks that I. I have holdings in and stuff like that. Like the things that I've actually bought and I'm sitting on uh, at this point, I'm just sitting on them because they're worthless. And I want to see if they ever come, just come back to, to break even. But uh, when I, you know, would do trading, especially when I was doing the commodity side of stuff with corn, uh, beans and wheat, a little more predictable. And, and a lot of this stuff, uh, there is no, especially in the Bitcoin, like what's it, what's the value based on? Like I can, I can look at the corn market and I can look at, you know, reports. I can look at crop reports and and weather reports and global crop reports and stuff like that. And I can, to some extent, tell you what the market is going to do year over year with this Bitcoin stuff. Like, but where's the, what are the trends? What are the, what are the factors that cause it to go up and down other than, I don't know, whims and hopes and dreams. Like it's, I need yeah. something that's, I don't need something concrete that I can put my feet on when I'm trying to figure out what, what kind of trading I need to be doing with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you can eat your corn if anything. Uh, yeah, but like, I mean, so I mean, there, there's some sort of, yeah, at some level, there's something to put your feet on when it comes to these things. Yeah. It's just because it's scarce, I guess, just because there's only what, uh, 20 what 2 million 21 million or something like that uh, okay but like, if all 21 million have no value then <laughs> yeah yeah so it's I, I don't know i don't know what to say um it, this this chart looks really bad right now so I, I don't know like there's and i still think there's a lot of room to the downside here like i said 12000 around there 12, 13,000 looks like support on a longer term chart. Um, oof, that's, that's another fucking, you know, it's at 20, uh, 21,000 something right now, 21,800, something like that, 21,500, right around there. And these are huge moves down. Like just week, it's already down like $5,000 fucking coin. Um, I, I don't see, yeah, like, if you look at precious metals and stuff like, yeah, gold is gold is down it's about 1800, a little over 1800 had a huge move down uh, this past week. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Fundamentally, when you see we're, we're, we're printing every week, we print like a new high in terms of inflation. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me other than like, just, I don't think investors really have grappled with the situation that the federal reserve is in. Like they, they somehow think that the fed is going to, to be able to fight inflation. 
without just completely collapsing everything. If you look at, you know, the bond market, uh, the other day I was looking at it and to borrow money, uh, like on a two-year treasury, what had the same rate as a 30-year treasury. So think about that from like your perspective. Would you like to loan the federal government money for the exact same rate for two years and 30 years? Take on an extra 28 years of inflation risk for the exact same amount of money, uh, uh, the exact same amount of upside to, to you? And the answer is no, like nobody in their right mind would want to do that. So what are they like? They just, it doesn't seem like people think inflation is going to be a long-term problem. It seems like they've factored it into the short term. It's like, okay, this is going to be like a short-term thing. The Fed's going to raise interest rates and they're going to fight it. And that that will be that. And then we'll get through it and we'll be fine after, after like, you know, a short little bout of inflation. I don't see that. I see a very prolonged fucking financial product. Like, I don't think we're going to be able to do that thing that we've done since 2001, uh, uh, like the bursting of the dot-com bubble, 2000, 2001, where you just sort of blow air back into this bubble, where you print up a, a bunch of trillions of dollars and you hand it out to the banks and you cut interest rates and, 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 and incite people to overpay for housing and things like that. I think they've they've exhausted that option. I, I don't see how you can do that again without completely destroying the dollar. And so if you can't do that and you have to raise interest rates, everything that they've been doing for the last 22 fucking years goes kaput. It's all completely fucked. And if you have to raise interest, they, they think that they're going to get by, you know, raise interest rates to two, three percent, maybe five. You can't even raise it to five percent where we're at right now. They have a $30 trillion national debt. That a 5% interest rate would consume the entire federal budget on the interest on the national debt alone. That means every dollar that they've been collecting in taxes would go to just paying the interest. <laughs> That's it. That is a vicious downward spiral. They there is there is no easy way out of this. There's no like this is we'll, we'll have a little short term thing here. No, no, uh, uh-uh. uh. I saw like a, a post from I think it was from Ben Carson. Ben Carson that said that the that the Fed needs to raise interest rates so that it can to create a recession so that it can then kind of get us out of this. Uh, inflationary tract so that it can then lower the interest rates to get us back out of that recession. It's like, um, that's not going to fucking work. Yeah. Like I, I get what he's saying. And to some extent he may be right on that, but that's also going to expound problems exponentially on a, a number of, uh, a number of fronts. If they did try to do something like that, like that's, that's throwing a, that's not even throwing a bandaid on a broken leg. Like that's throwing a bandaid on somebody that fell out of an airplane. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we do need a recession to clear out the, the 20 years of malinvestment that we've had because they've had the interest rates so low. I, I mean, I doubt that a lot of these uh, crypto companies would have gotten started with 0% interest rates um, and a huge bubble going on in that market, like all of these, 
you know, I, I, I'm fairly exposed to, to the real estate market. Like people have been refinancing like fucking crazy for the last two years because rates have been so low. Rates are no longer low. Rates are going up. So that that entire industry around refinancing, like the 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 mortgage bankers, all those guys are going to start getting fucking laid off. They don't need nearly as many people to do refis. Um, the, you know, if they're selling less houses than the real estate agents, they're not going to be, you know, they're not, we're not going to need as many of those. Like people are going to start getting fucking laid off in droves and they're still, they're still sort of, you know, playing this line. Like, oh, we have a really strong labor market. We added more jobs than like anybody else did in history, blah, blah. Like, first of all, jobs are a lagging indicator of anything, (laughs) You know, you're not going to start lose. You're not going to start the layoffs before the recession hits. The recession hits, and then you're like, "Oh shit, I don't need all these workers. I don't have any business. It's time to start firing people." So they're they're sort of looking in the rearview mirror and trying to drive the car that way. And that's going to be a fuck. I mean, imagine doing that on the road. If you're looking behind you while you're trying to drive forward. And you're using what you just passed as a you know, as an indication as as to what's ahead. That that's what jobs are. So um, those, I think, a lot of these jobs are going to start, especially in like the tech industry. All these fucking you know, tech companies, um, Netflix and shit like that. They're all going to fucking implode. There's going to be a lot of people out of work, <laughs> and you're going to have high inflation, high unemployment, and a fucking tanking stock market. <laughs> Well, speaking of like Netflix and those, that they are already starting to take steps in that direction. Netflix has laid off a bunch of people, cutting huge amounts of their budgets. Uh, HBO Max, I think I saw HBO Max was cutting like three three billion in overhead or in in like salaries and stuff uh-huh. like that. Like they uh, operating costs. Yeah. HBO Max was trying to cut three billion in operating costs, so like they were canceling shows and and all kinds of stuff. Like, you know, that's that that's already starting to happen. Yeah, and uh, Tesla too it was uh, Elon Musk was out. He's doing like a ten percent. Is it hit? He's doing the ten percent cut across the board or something like that. Uh, he's talking about you know he he doesn't like the way things look in terms of the economy ahead. He's going to have to start laying off people. I think it was him that was talking about a 10% cut across the board, but I I could be mistaken that with another company. So he was, no, I think it was him. He, he was coming out with that on the back of saying it's time to get back in the office. We're not doing this work from home shit anymore. Like if you're going to work for this company, you're going to show up to work. Uh, So I think he was using that in part to start skimming some of the fat. And then from there, he's going to continue to, to uh, roll things back and, and downsize to get ready for what's inevitably inevitably coming. Yeah. Yeah. And all of these, you know, market indices are oh, not all of them. I guess the Dow technically still is not in a, a bear market um, unless this last moved down. Now I think at 30,000 something, I think it's only like down 18% or something like that, but uh, the rest of these are all in bear markets. And, you know, that for, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, a bear market is just a 20% decline. That's sort of how they, that's how, how they um, quantify it. If you're down 20%, you're officially in a bear market. Up until that point, it's a correction. 
Yeah, the S&P, the NASDAQ, uh, the Russell 2000, these are all, um, they've been taking it on the fucking chin. And the Russell 2000 is all like U.S. companies. They're all like U.S.-based uh, companies, which which shows you, I think that's down the most out of these. I don't, let me see if I have it up here. The writing is sort of on the wall here. There's There's no easy way out of this. And if there was like, think of how easy it would be to just sort of, manage an economy if all you had to do was do what we've been doing the last uh, 10 15 years it's like oh we just need to stimulate demand and print up a bunch of paper and dole it out and that'll be the you know if people just spend more money that'll fix everything like that would be so easy there would be no poverty anywhere there'd be no problems zimbabwe would be fucking bajillionaires and they'd have they'd have no poverty over there. Well, they were bajillionaires there for a hot minute. Yeah, yeah. Teachers were making like eight hundred million dollars a year. <laughs> but the problem is, like a cup of coffee costs like eight hundred grand. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, yeah, you can dole out the money, but you need the stuff. You need the production. You can't like it would be so easy if you would just hand out money to people. And that would solve that all the problems, but you have to, you can't consume stuff that hasn't been produced. And that seems to be where the, like the Keynesians really run into reality. You know, um, I always like it when people simplify it by just like putting you on a desert Island, you know, and it's just like, all right, if a group of us are on a desert Island and it's just us and somebody comes by with like a helicopter and drops a bunch of dollars down there, it's like, all right. Uh, we have like some kindling for fire, but like what else, you know, it's not like I can take like a hundred thousand dollars and, and like get something off the desert Island. Somebody has to produce it first. <laughs> so if it's just you and me on an Island and we have like a bajillion dollars in paper, we're not much better off than we were before because there's nothing for us to buy with the money. So, um, I don't know. Things are looking, things are looking really bad. And uh, if I am the ultimate contrarian indicator, I probably brought all this about by threatening to put my uh, list, my place on the market at the end of this month. So uh, maybe you have another two weeks to get out from under this. (laughs) Whatever. I'm just going to save all of my properties and then eventually set them on fire for the insurance money. That'll be worth nothing. I, I just, I, I really, it really bugs me the the narratives that they sell to the American people in terms of home ownership, in terms of, well, in terms of everything, but like education, home ownership, uh, the investment advice you get, buy and hold, like they they are setting you up for failure around every corner. Like this idea that you just buy a house. Like I was talking to, uh, I was talking to one of my my friends here, and we we're talking about selling my place. And he's like, "Oh, how long have you been there?" I was like, eight years." And he's like, doing the math. He's like, "Oh, it should be worth like you know, blah 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 blah, like two and a half times what you paid for it." And I was like, "He's like, oh yeah, eight years. It goes up by this much per year." And I was like, "Why? Why is it worth more now than when I paid for it? Um, you know, eight years ago." Other than this like retarded calculation that we've just decided to come up with. 
Um, the furnace is broken. <laughs> I need to replace that. I need to replace the microwave on the, you know, over the range microwave. Right, because that's why. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to, you know, touch up the, some of the fucking floor, like the, the sun damage on the hardwood floor. I got to touch that up. I'm repainting this fucking window. So I'm doing all this shit, this upkeep. <laughs> and I've already poured a bunch of money into this place as well. So like it, you know, things fucking deteriorate over time. There's no reason what like there's no inherent reason as to why it should be worth more now than what I paid for it. I hope it is. If somebody wants to give me two two and a half x what I paid for it. Give me a call. I will fucking take that all day. But like this idea that just like oh the the American dream the key to success is to like own property, get into the stock market, just buy the index the indexes and hold until retirement. This is just horrible advice. <laughs> I don't know what to like. I, I'm not saying I'm qualified to give you financial advice. I'm not trying to do that for the uh, SEC. If you're listening also go fuck yourselves. Um, but that is just terrible fucking advice. Talk to somebody who is trying to retire in 2008, 2009 about the buy and hold strategy when they got fucking chopped not in half. They lost like fucking 90% of everything that they've been holding this entire time because they had all these gains on paper. You know, it's like the Bitcoin crowd, all these Bitcoin billionaires. Um, I hope you took some profits along the way. I, you know, it's, it's really, really stupid to not take profits on the way up of anything. And I, I get it. Like I'm, I'm a fucking basket case mentally when it comes to investing, which is why I don't do the type of like fundamental investing. I, I look at the chart and I have rules. And if the rules are met, I do what I'm supposed to do when X, Y, Z happens, regardless of the gut feeling I have, regardless of how, you know, what I think the federal reserve is going to do or anything like that. I just look at what's in front of me. Um, because you do, you get greedy on the way up and you're thinking, oh man, what if I, what if it goes up to like, what if Bitcoin goes to a hundred thousand and I took profits at 50,000, that sort of, that sort of mentality is going to get you killed over the long run. I can tell you that for a fact, bears make money, bulls make money and pigs get slaughtered. And if you're a fucking pig, man, you're going to lose your shirt. Um, this, this recent downturn should be if you didn't take your profits along the way will be a very important lesson for you to learn a very valuable lesson for the future to, uh, to take your profits when you can, nobody ever went broke taking a profit and it's, they're going to be tough to come by for a while. I think there's, there's going to be some pretty tough sledding ahead. Unfortunately, I don't really have a, a high note for us to go out on today. <laughs> you know, with, but with that in mind, I don't know that there needs to be a high note because there's like there there are a lot of people who have gotten involved in markets that don't understand markets uh, over the last several years. Like like I was saying before, like I I have generally stayed out of the markets that I don't play in commodities, grains. That's what I know, and that's yeah, that's where that's your wheelhouse. My, yeah, that's yeah. where that's my wheelhouse. That's where I'm comfortable. I don't mess with this other shit because anytime I do, it doesn't usually work out. Like. If you have people that, you know, know what they're doing and you're not comfortable with these markets, 
don't listen to some dumbass on Reddit that's just saying hold forever. Like yeah. take profit here and there and right. make money and take care of yourself. Don't don't yeah. yeah. I mean you're the odds up. of you the odds of you just becoming you know a billionaire because something shot up and you got in on the ground floor are very, very slim. You know, that's yeah, that's a diamond in the rough. Like the and they have all of these sayings. You, you know, you don't even have to like really take an economics class. You just probably Google like the top 20 popular like Wall Street idioms or sayings or something like that. Like don't confuse brains with a bull market. All of these people on fucking Reddit, like these GameStop guys and shit, they've probably never seen. They're not old enough to have seen a bear market. They're all like fucking 22 years old and they've known nothing but Federal Reserve printing up trillions of dollars and pumping it into the stock market. So I buy the fucking dip was like the best stock advice you could have gotten. And there's a YouTube video. You can Google that Buy the fucking dip. It's a little cartoon. And if you had just followed that advice for the last fucking 15 years or whatever, 13 years, you'd be very well off right now. It works until it doesn't. But there's yeah, there's a whole generation of people that don't really know what they're doing that think they know what they're doing because they've been involved in this like wall street casino that the federal reserve has manufactured nothing like that lasts forever you can't have an economy like that just i mean just think about it it doesn't make any sense you don't have to know much about economics just think about what we're actually doing and like how that's supposed to produce wealth for all these people over the long term and it just doesn't make any sense if you understand wealth creation. And I, I don't know, it, it seems pretty common sense to me, but, you know, we, we like to overcomplicate these things and come up with all these weird explanations for this and that. And all these people coming up with these convoluted explanations are wrong, have been like proven exponentially wrong right now, because I guarantee you they weren't envisioning inflation being a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's really fucking simple. If it works on a small scale, it should work on a large scale and just, th just think it through, think the mechanics of it through, stay within your wheelhouse, you know, invest in what you understand. Um, if you don't understand anything, I, I don't know, start learning, grab a book, start learning from somebody who's doing it. Maybe, I don't know, but yeah, just there there's, I see so many people with these, like these, uh, Robin hood accounts, you know, I used to work in, you know, compliance and I'd reviews, review people's like applications and stuff. And they had like two shares of this and two shares of that. And like all these people with no fucking money are, you know, gambling in uh, on Wall Street. Like you are the dumb money. You're buying one share of fucking TikTok or whatever. It's like these you're. I mean, unfortunately, there's a lot of young people who are probably already up to their eyeballs in student loan debt because they followed the government's advice on that, who have now followed the government's maybe not advice, but incentive into the stock market, because that's the way you, you make money now. That's the only way to really get a return because you can't save. They've destroyed the incentive to save with their low interest rates. So they've, they've basically forced you into the most risky environment ever. And nobody really knows, uh, like very few people actually know anything about it. And while everything's going up, you feel like a fucking genius. Everything looks good. 
and you think it's going to go up forever. And so you never take your fucking profits when you should. You had profits on paper. You've been hodling this whole time. And then all of a sudden the bottom drops out and you're going to get left holding the bag. So hopefully that's not you. Hopefully you've been listening to this show long enough to have uh, at least, you know, squirreled away a little something over the last couple of years. And um, yeah, I don't know. That's all I got. And if you didn't know all of that, there is a video where Johnny goes through and breaks down how charts work and and how the market works. And I think I still have that saved. So you should become a supporting member of the show or a supporting listener of the show. And then I can send you that video and you can learn how to not be a marketing dumbass. Yes. And believe me, it's not, this is not complicated stuff. Like if I could understand it, a fucking monkey can understand it. And I think I can explain it so that a monkey could understand it. I I don't like to overcomplicate these things. I think that's sort of the the mark of like kind of an idiot is when you you can't explain something like succinctly. And maybe you're not an idiot, but you don't really understand it. You know what I mean? So uh, I think I make it pretty simple. And you don't have to overcomplicate these things to in order to be successful at them. Um, but yeah, there's this is going to be a very trying time here. Uh, yeah if you have to write a doctoral thesis on how something works you don't know how it works yeah yeah and if you have to come up with all these explanations retroactively as to why your theory (laughs) wasn't complete bullshit then uh yeah your theory was complete bullshit It, it should it should fucking pan out like you shouldn't have to do all this like mental gymnastics that mainly keynesians do (laughs) when it comes to economics and it, it should be, I mean, it's just life, you know, like the economy is life when you break it down and it should make sense. It should not have to be that complicated for you. Um, don't get hung up in, in these numbers and all these weird calculations that they do uh, that, that all just sort of obfuscates the issue. Nothing else for me to really say today. I got to go bang on this fucking furnace and see if I can fix it. <laughs> have fun with that i'm gonna go weed eat yeah wish me luck i don't know i have a very bad feeling about the next uh the rest of this year for sure i don't i don't see a way out of this that that doesn't cause a lot of pain for a lot of people and and this is the the bed that we've made this is what listening to politicians gets you they they've been lying to us they've been lying to you for for as long as you know as long as there's been a government they they they've never really leveled with you they've never told you the truth and they're they're still not going to that's the other thing they will continue to blame somebody else for all the problems that they've caused and the situation that they've like i've said in a lot of situations they've sort of pushed you in that direction um we all have personal responsibility that we need to take but i think a lot of people would have taken different paths if they weren't getting such horrible advice from the powers that be. After what they've done to the world's greatest economy, world's richest country, uh, putting us into the fucking poorhouse, I don't think they should be allowed to just do anything ever again. All these people should be fucking removed. And maybe the entire you know institution that is government should uh, go into the dustbin of history where it belongs. 
let's go out on that note. Amen. <laughs> All right. Anything you got to plug? Oh, I've got an episode coming out tomorrow that was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to interview uh, Elizabeth Duffy, who is a libertarian uh, Instagrammer and TikToker and was very sharp and, and entertaining. So that'll be my episode tomorrow morning. Uh, cool. Fact check this podcast. All right, cool. Yeah, and this weekend on Saturday night, you can come uh, check out. Well, I don't know if they still have tickets, but I'll be there with uh, Robbie the Fire and the great comic Dave Smith at the Lincoln Lodge. I think it's called something like that. They're doing some stand up. Uh, I'll be there hanging out. And then, yeah, we'll do a I think we're doing a run your mouth or a porch tour thing on Sunday with Robbie and then hitting the Cubs game. So that should be fun. If you guys uh, do all that for us and by that, I mean, become a supporting listener, as Justin was talking about. Go to peddlingfictionpodcast.com, set up a recurring donation, and you'll get into the happy hour group. You'll get some trading advice, some chart technical analysis from Justin. He'll send that over to you. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.